What is up, you fanats? So, I kind of want to give you guys a head up. This episode picks up where the last one left off. Uh, we definitely didn't want to do a three-hour episode or a nearly three-hour episode, so we split it up into two. They're definitely man more manageable at this point. Like I said before, this is going to be a three-parter. Next week, there's not going to be an episode. Sam is going on vacation. It's his birthday. So I want you guys all to go wish him a happy birthday. And I want you to tell him how jealous you are because he's going to see Mabim Bam and Childish Gambino all in the same week. So, you know, hit him up on Twitter. Tell him that you love him. Tell him that you're jealous. We're going to come back in two weeks for part three. And we're going to get into the theories. We're going to get into the hypnosis sessions. We're going to get into the quote-unquote evidence we're gonna get into it all folks so that's what you have to look forward to so let's get on with the episode The most intense sighting for Ed comes on January 12th, 1988. It had, and like the, the encounters are going to start to be spaced out a little now. So he's been through roughly uh, almost about 10. And uh, uh, this time Ed would be driving in his truck, his work truck. He had just left his last uh, work site to go to check on a different one to see if they had installed the electrical on that uh, location. And for whatever reason, he had the weird urge to turn down a road called Southside Drive, which was a kind of a remote road. And like, that's something that abductees experience over and over again is like the urge to go driving down a mm -hmm. particular area. And sometimes the UFOs take control of the car, but not in this case. That's okay. What does that's that okay. say about me as a teenager where almost every night between the ages of like 16 and 18, I got in my truck and I just drove out into like the desert. Was Wait, I did you have for something, Sam? Yeah. But the yeah, but the question is, Sam, did you have a couch with you every time that was eventually going to get burned? A lot of times there was a couch that was going to get burned. <laughs> I would like to say I did not burn the couches. I am not an arsonist. There are arsonists among us, though, and we must be vigilant. So I'm confused. <laughs> Wait, was am this in Idaho, though? Yeah, this was in Idaho. In, I think it must have been on the UFO book club that we talked about it, if you don't know what I'm talking about. When I was, like, 18, we'd go out to CUNA, and we'd always take, like, we'd find couches on Craigslist or, like, friends who had couches. We'd always go to the same spot of initial point, and we'd put down the couch, and then we'd party with the couch. And we'd be like, heck, yeah, we got a couch in the desert. I can do whatever I want, and I have this couch to lay down on and go to sleep afterwards. And then we'd go home, and then the next time we'd come out, the couch would be burned. Every time, whether it was like a day or like a month, but the couch was always burned. So we just started trying to proactively bring more couches. This is a true story. So who was, who was the last guy that left, Sam? He never came back. 
So what if it was the UFOs that were blowing up the couches and burning them? More target practice. Yeah, we picked that one up. This no. is our area. You no, can't just bring a couch into somebody's house. Anyway, so there's that. <laughs> yeah. So Ed's, uh, he's coming around a, a, a bend. He can see the, the sun is starting to set, and all of a sudden there's a white flash of light. And then another one hits him, and he loses all feelings within his arms. He, he can't not good really... while you're driving a car. No, he's his arms are numb as hell. Through the rearview mirror, he can see the UFO behind him. It just settles in the road. That's where you get uh, the, the photo of that UFO in the road that he's going to take momentarily. Ed slams on the brakes. Good thing his feet are still working. Mm-hmm. And... He's approximately 200 feet away from the craft. He struggles to reach for the shotgun behind his seat, but somehow yeah, manages maybe we to do some yoga, <laughs> some stretching, buddy. He's his <laughs> arms have gone numb. It's not his fault. I can still like operate when my leg goes to sleep. It's I crude, guess. but I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same, same with your same with your arm. It's just kind of weird to look at, but it just feels weird. Uh, yeah. So somehow Ed manages to grab this gun. He pulls it out. He crawls out of the truck. He grabs the Polaroid camera with him, too, because he's not... He, he's bringing that thing with him everywhere. And he props himself up on the truck, and he captures the 19th photograph, the photograph in the road, the one of the photos that just Dr. Bruce Maccabee just loves the hell out of. The craft starts to move a little closer to him, and it shoots a white beam at his legs. And then he just falls to the ground because his legs won't move. (laughs) Poor guy. Yeah. The voice comes into his head and says, You are in danger. Step forward. (laughs) He would not be harmed. How can the man step forward? He's on the ground. (laughs) This is insensitive at least and mocking at best. Like I said, they have one soundboard, Sam. <laughs> they Come have forward. to make do. <laughs> Danger, Will Robinson. What if they're working with the same thing that the guys of the What If podcast are working with? Like, their soundboard. <laughs> that could explain oh. a lot. Yeah. What if the what if Spencer and Ryan are these aliens? That could also explain <laughs> a lot. Uh, yeah. Shout oh. out, though, because they're on, like, their 100 episodes, like, this week? Or next week? Yeah, it is. It's crazy. It's, uh, it's having a party. They're recording it. it. Yeah, it's on Wednesday. It's going to be dope. It's a Woo! live show, so... Congratulations! Yeah, boys! Jason's not saying anything. Oh, Jason's not... We better not do anything for our 100. I actually oh, know no. what we're going to do. It's nothing special, but you're going to hate every minute of it, so... That's pretty much my life. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> That's okay. You got half a year till we get there, so... Oh, good. I mean, it it could be worse. I'm pretty sure Alex Jones hates every moment of his life, and that's why he Uh, yells all the time. That's true. Jonesy. All right. Back to to work. (laughs) Is that what we're doing? Well, it's taking me a great deal of effort to sit here and remain. So, sure. Yes. The UFO starts to shoot the blue beam of light, and every time it does, it deposits an alien wearing boxy armor on the ground, Five in total, they start to, like, move towards Ed in this, like, lockstep together. And Ed's like, I don't think so. And he somehow manages to pull himself up. 
get back in the truck, reverses and pulls out of there and speeds away. Oh, man. It's like the spaceship can't catch up to him now. <laughs> Good to know. I assume the aliens didn't see that coming. Right, right. Going back <laughs> Just... in the vehicle? You humans Why like your you vehicles too, don't you? He's a... Next time, different models of vehicles. He's a tactical <laughs> genius. <laughs> <laughs> it was on the ground, now he's in the car. I can't tell what he's going to do next. Again, just this idea of them giving like a report to their superiors. How are we supposed to know? <laughs> we took away his legs. <laughs> he's immune to our alien persuasions. What do you expect from us? <laughs> Damn it. The next morning, uh, at about 8.30, he gets a knock on the door. And it's two men wearing matching black suits. One identifies himself as Agent McCarthy, and the other, Ed couldn't remember his name. Agent X. <laughs> Congra- or surprise, it's me. Ed Walters, here, interviewing you, Ed Walters. Do you know about Ed Walters? He's a hell of a guy. He is. Um, they claim to be from the Air Force Special Security Services, And they demand that he hands over all his photos and his negatives. And Ed lies to them and says... Wait, photos have negatives? No, he he didn't have negatives, which was weird. Actually, I think maybe MUFON had made negatives of the photos for some reason. But um, still, don't know how how they would know that. But Ed basically lied to him and said that he gave, had given them to the Miami Herald, these men claimed that they would be back if he was lying, but the problem was is that Ed was lying, and they didn't come back. <laughs> Ed got real lucky. Is that what happened? They forgot his address. It was on a sticky note, flew out the window. Just a, a saga of incompetency. It just it it just goes on and on and it's, like it's like it, one of those like almost Mad Lib build your own adventure books where it's like oh I said this witty thing clearly they'll still take me to page eighty two to figure out what's next yeah wait it, Mad Libs exactly. and choose your it's own like adventure both. that it's is like a revolutionary both. concept uh, <laughs> give uh, me an adjective <laughs> then turn to page eighty four. <laughs> Ed uh, Ed tries a few I'm different approaches sure that's just when writing your own novel at that point. It really is like the, it's but like, a like puzzle phrase. That's yeah, what it is. yeah. Go. I mean, like if Ed was a better writer, this would make a hell of a novel. But you know, unfortunately, it's more of a diary style kind of thing. Well, but... and if it was if it wasn't true, it would be a novel. But like, yeah, it's, if it's true. true uh, well, it can't be a novel. <laughs> you know, we're getting to the truth here. We're getting to the truth. <laughs> Jason looks skeptical. So it's not. He does. <laughs> Ed tries different approaches at times when the when the UFOs show up. He uh, at one point he he puts on a positive attitude and goes out to his truck. <laughs> Can hear the hum in his head. At a certain point, he just gets kind of frustrated because he's waiting forever to, for these aliens to show up, even though you know he can hear the hum. He's standing out by his truck, and eventually he just yells at the aliens. And this uh, one UFO shows up that's different than the previous ones. It's red in color, and it's like a classic saucer shape with a dome on top. Ed's kind of second-guessing himself. Ed's because like, he hey, wants who's to... this new guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a second. Are you one of the second... real ones? <laughs> yeah. I actually know what you're doing. 
Yeah, uh, you would think so, but uh, no. And Ed kind of just wants to hide underneath his truck again, but... uh, It's a weird approach. uh, He, he, you know, he fights the urge. He's standing there and uh, yelling at the UFO. And then another one shows up. It winks into existence, which is a phrase that he uses often Mm. for these UFOs. They wink in and out. So they're quick. Yeah. Or multidimensional. Uh, they're ultra terrestrial for sure our imagination uh i'm surprised that throughout all of these like what side are we on like 12 already a dozen in ish yeah. Uh, like yeah we're about there why yeah. why hasn't he bought better cameras we'll get to that he's, okay. we'll, we'll he's get doing to that. a great job no he's not we he, we have over 40 photos or no we have 40 photos exactly <laughs> that's a little weird isn't it um <laughs> He's he's taking good pictures. Look at that picture. I'm showing him photos 14. Photo, photo 14, that's a good photo. Like, it's 1987 in the middle of the night. I think these are, are fine photographs. I mean, I'm sure, but, like, he's still shooting on the same camera. You, I, If I was being visited by aliens constantly, I'd be like, I gotta get a better camera Do you know how much cameras cost? Obviously, he's a man with a pool. He can buy a camera. <laughs> he's super cool. Everyone likes him. He could just ask for a camera. Someone yeah, would just give him one. He's very prolific in the community. All right. You're right. He is. He is for he sure. Can, he can get a camera. <laughs> okay? That's all I'm saying. Eventually, these UFOs just, uh, they're done with Ed, and they fly off. Ed's being cranky. They don't want to deal with him. The next... <laughs> It's like Fine, an animal. we'll come back it's, later. It's like an animal at the zoo, then. It really is. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't want to hang out today. Okay, we'll see him tomorrow. It's okay, guys. He doesn't mean he'll, that. He'll be back again. That poor he, zookeeper. He <laughs> will. To the and children. <laughs> on the next night, Mufon begins a nine-day stakeout of the Walters property, and they do nice. it from the parking lot of this apartment building that they got permission to be in. It's kind of really sketchy, but these three guys, Bob Reed, Don Ware, and Gary Watson, each take turns each night in the van. You know, they're there surveilling the place. Realistically, they're going to get nothing here. The closest they come is on the uh, 21st. Ed is walking out to the van to give uh, Bob, who's on duty at the time, a quote-unquote personal item. I have no clue what it was, but he's giving it to Bob so that he can give it to Don, who is, I believe Don might be the state director for MUFON. As he's walking on this path, he starts to hear the hum. They've got walkie-talkies, and he radios into Bob, telling him to get out, get his camera ready, because the UFO is showing up. And Bob looks up into the sky, and he sees what is clearly a plane coming down. Oh, no. You know, Ed's insistent. He's like, no, it's not. It's the UFO. Ed can see the UFO. And Bob's like, no, man, that's totally a plane. And then... Ed comes to the realization that Bob is not looking in the right direction, so he tells him to look to the south, right near Sirius, and unfortunately, the UFO winked out before Bob could turn around and look at oh, it. Oh, it's darn. Who'd have <laughs> Yes. Thought? Yeah, so... What a shocker. Ed is freaked out. He runs to the van. He takes refuge in the van with Bob, Bob attests to Ed being all scared and stuff. He said his fear was authentic. 
but you know it's just it's so crazy at this point in time you think he wouldn't be that fearful like um, he'd be you know, used like, to it yeah exactly it's like oh these things again hello demons <laughs> hello well, demons like... of the night the aliens above what well, up, demons? Is your at boy? the same time, <laughs> at the same time, he might not have been had the aliens not showed up in his bedroom. I think when aliens start to show up, that's when people get afraid. Mm-hmm. Them dang aliens wearing their boxy armor because you know they're fragile things, and you know it's terrible. Well, and the other idea is that you have, um, and I was going to mention this about Mrs. Zawil or whatever, and the dog. You have mm-hmm. these this idea that extraterrestrials or UFOs or whatever can be encounter or can be encountered with a artificial emotional state, something that you are forced into that you're not wouldn't be your natural reaction. And so you're and right. After <laughs> exactly <laughs> after twelve sightings, you'd think that he'd at least not be panicked, but not to mention just like like Rob's kind of pointing out here, the trauma of waking and finding something in your room at night and associating it with that. You could also be having something imposing this, this fear or this feeling on him, which was the point I was going to make about the lady with the dog, because it's like maybe they're specifically making her feel afraid for her dog. Uh, but I think we've moved forward past the dogs, so we're not going to revisit that now. Well, we just I think did. <laughs> the dogs are the dogs are c- clearly key to this UFO flap in Gulf Breeze. Obviously, they're there for the dogs. They want to know who let the dogs out years before that song came out, so, but not a lot of years. Like, well, I guess so. Yeah, it's, okay, a lot of years. Yes. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Who let the dogs out was ninety nine. So twelve we're, years. We're like twelve years away. They are revolutionaries. They're ahead of their time. Not only they, in they... space age technologies, but crappy rap songs too. It yeah. wasn't even rap. It was just like a party song. Like it LMFAO's was, uh, not rap, uh, <laughs> right? It was a repetitive party rap song. Like yes, it, it was. <laughs> I never partied to that song. I would never be caught dead partying to that song. I'm just saying. Well, okay. Rude. (laughs) I'm sorry, man. It's just... I can't recall ever going to a party and hearing that song and not leaving immediately afterward. That's fair. Well, I was, like, in first grade when that song came out. Yeah, so... No. Yeah, but I'm I'm, I'm much... Negative first grade for me. What's that called? Kindergarten? Yes. Kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah, I might have partied to Who Let the Dogs Out, <laughs> maybe once or twice. I'm much older than both of you, so That's I true. had to grow up with that in real time as an adult, <laughs> or at least close to being an adult, and I didn't like it. That's fine. That's fair. Yeah, I get yeah. it. I don't like it now. Yeah, I, <laughs> it hurts me. You can't see, and the listeners can't see, but Jason is. I can tell that he is dying on the inside. That's pretty normal, though. That's yep, just that's the way fair. I look. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> the next night, there's no UFO that Ed encounters, but uh, there is some interesting military activity in the area. Gary Watson was the first on duty that night, and he noticed a lot of military planes and helicopters in the area. And as Bob came on to take over... They noticed this helicopter that kept kind of doing laps over the Walters household. 
This was at 10.30 at night. The thing was is that the night before, while Ed was calming the hell down in the van, they discussed when the next possible sighting time would be of the craft, and they had looked at previous sighting times and had come to the conclusion that it would be at 10.30 the next night. And all of a sudden, the helicopter is flying over their house at 10.30 at night. We have to ask ourselves questions here. Is the van bugged, or is Bob Reed a disinformation agent? Or is there some sort of of actual pattern here that could be discerned by more than one group of people? Maybe the lighting's just right to snap these really awesome nighttime photos. Double expose over. Maybe. 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 (laughs) That wasn't Um, one of the options I gave. You're right. <laughs> no, but. it wasn't. But, <laughs> but you know, this was like options, you know, like E, and you know, you you gotta introduce them when you can. I understand. The interesting thing around this time too is that in the Gulf Breeze area, the military, uh, in particular, I think it was the Navy, they started to install these portable radar arrays, and they looked basically like a kind of like a short blimp. It would just, like, hang in the air uh, right by the beach, so... Oh, really? Would um, it also bob and weave? Um, you know, I'm... Maybe, but uh, this is this is long after that first encounter, so... Okay, okay. Uh, I, I don't think it was that, but, you know... Whatever you say, Rob. I know. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Right. I do uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> As Mufon's stakeouts were coming to a close uh there was one evening it was around like 5 30 at night ed started to feel the hum he was uh he was he was feeling desperate he wanted someone to experience this with him so he radioed to gary at the van who should have been on duty but uh yeah every time he tried to radio into gary he wasn't answering (laughs) Ed was desperate, so he ran to the Gulf Breeze Sentinel offices and basically asked Dwayne Cook to come out with him to experience this. So they hatched this plan where they were going to go down a remote road and try to draw out the UFO. Dwayne had a camera with him. He was going to be shooting the entire thing. They get out there. The (laughs) dialogue from this incident is kind of hilarious. We'll go through some of the highlights here. Basically, the hum is at this point is the most intense that it's ever felt. And in Ed's head, the aliens kept repeating the phrase, in sleep, you know. In sleep, you know. Well, I was thinking yeah. it's more like, in sleep, you know, in sleep, you know, in sleep, you know. <laughs> in the night. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God, you're it doing again. it on my podcast now. <laughs> Is this going to be a new tradition for Not Alone? I guess so. Kanye. Oops. Kanye, Kanye. <laughs> it's those beats, man. Oh, damn it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Me too, man. <laughs> Me too. For some reason, Ed's driving, even though he's in this incredible pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, he keeps asking Dwayne at certain times whether certain parts of his face were moving, like whether his eyes were moving or whether Gosh. his ears were moving. And yeah, at one point... Does, well, does he mean moving as in like 
are my eyes like moving in my head or like moving about his face? I think he means moving about his face oh, no. because it probably feels like that to him. I, so I get the, the imagery of like during, I think the first mummy movie where the scarabs are like, or not the scarabs. No. Yeah. The scarabs are underneath the guy's flesh. Don't do that. That's no. kind of what I've repressed I'm this picturing. for so many years. <laughs> Oh, did that freak you out the first time? Oh, oh, it's the God, only yeah. part of that movie I remember. Oh, and it freaks you out every time. Yeah, it's terrible. Oh, it is man. It is terrible, I'll give you that. The movie or the, the scene? Both. All of it, <laughs> That's yeah. Fair. Again, 99, that was first grade. I didn't know what I was talking about then. It was a good movie. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Brendan Fraser, you know? <laughs> Save Brendan. Brendan Fraser. There's, There's a name George, you can George count George in the on. Jungle right there. Yep. I was uh, 16 years old at the time, so... Yeah, a proper age. Bringing back some memories. Rated R movie. (laughs) Good to know. Yeah, yeah, and 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 at a certain point, he asked Dwayne if he was actually driving too fast, which he wasn't. He was actually driving slower than he thought, (laughs) a lot slower. Dwayne, yeah, he's filming this entire thing. From what I understand, either Ed's a really bad actor, or I don't even think you could fake that kind of uh, crap. But you you know. You can. Take almost anything. Yeah, I I know. I just don't want to admit that to myself. Ed believed that uh, the reason the hum was so intense was because Dwayne was there. And when he tried to explain to the aliens why Dwayne had to be there, they just turned up whatever hum BS machine that they were using, and they just... The hum uh, got it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and 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 it just became a lot worse uh at a certain point he slammed on the brakes and he got out he actually fell out of the cab of the truck and he noticed that the ufo was actually behind them unfortunately Dwayne couldn't turn around quick enough before the ufo disappeared with the camera that he had but ed had his polaroid camera turned took a photo the thing about it was, it's like, while Ed took the photo, Dwayne peeled the negative, so mm-hmm. he's, uh, you know, D- Dwayne could be an accomplice here. I right, don't know. Right, right. So, you know. just so that the listeners and myself have it straight. <laughs> I hate this. Essentially, what happens, Dwayne's, Ed, Edward is like, hey, Dwayne, let's go on a magical mystery road trip. And they go on a road trip, and, and he's recording it all. And for no reason that Dwayne can tell, Ed starts screaming and talking about his face moving. But he's not experiencing yes. anything. And then Ed says, look, there it is. Turns around and misses it. But then they both peel the – or he peels the film, and that's his confirmation. But he's not hearing the hum or feeling any adverse effects. Dwayne, right? Right. Okay. It's only Ed. So, yeah, you have you have that going on. Oh. This is just so goddamn crazy. But, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They drive back to Ed's house, and Dwayne reveals the secret that his secretary and another uh, staff member of the Sentinel actually followed them there. They'd driven there with their lights off, which I'm just going to say, don't do that, people. If you're staking somebody out, don't do that. You're going to get in an accident. They were on the opposite side of a like a set of trees, 
So they didn't actually see the dang UFO. All they saw was this strange glow that appeared out of nowhere, and it just came through the trees, and then it disappeared. So I'm just going to say it. The staff of the Sentinel, they're useless here. Just useless. More incompetence. There's incompetence from the aliens. There's incompetence from everybody else in this dang encounter. What the hell is going on? Just one person would be nice. One person that's not Ed Walters. That's all I want. Is one well, one person that isn't Francis Walters. That's true honest. as well. Yeah. Yeah. There were physical traces that were starting to be detected around the property of the Walters house. Well, not necessarily their property, but the school property and they ended up having it tested. They checked for radiation, which I know Jason loves when they check for radiation when it comes to UFOs. Just like, why, man? Uh, they didn't find... <laughs> I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Radiation's bad. Why would you want it on a spacecraft or being emanated from a spacecraft that is your life source, essentially? Not all radiation's bad. There's natural radiation around us at all times. Yeah, we're just naturally protected from it. Yeah. My wife just... No, I... Light I, is radiation. I want to say this to Jason. <laughs> I'm sorry. My wife just had a a procedure done wherein they were trying to figure out if it was her gallbladder that's been causing her issues, and they literally injected her with radioactive material. Yeah, to right. to yeah. to figure it out. Radiation doesn't have to be bad. Like, but like, why why are we even caring about it? Because theoretically, if there's a a nuclear fusion or or whatever nuclear drive on the ship, it's going to leave some sort of a trace, or even any other like exotic energy source theoretically may leave a trace do our nuclear powered submarines leave a trace i have no idea i would think so you guys talk about water (laughs) yes thank you i mean they use like water uh, with nuclear powered things right to kind of stabilize it or something i don't know exactly how we're we're still talking about a, a nuclear powered craft of some sort that is holding well, a metal shell uh, let me let me give you a, a fictional equivalent kind of okay uh, because the okay. the Martian the movie the Martian yes. how did they how did they power their ship to get there it was nuclear power okay they ended up burying the radioactive isotope like on the planet yeah that's just the waste product yeah of using nuclear fusion because we haven't actually invested time or energy into making it cleaner nuclear fusion which is definitely doable do you think the aliens have time on their hands for that because you know i i would hope so by this point i would assume they would mainly because the only reason why we we don't is because nuclear power yes kind of went bad sorry i found my answer yes they do you can theoretically a faint trace can be left by the radiation uh from the subs on board nuclear power plant this is in popular mechanics cool so is it traceable only like on the ship no like in the, in the water itself, well the or... water is going to be hard but yes yeah. like it's traceable externally from okay. the ship yeah perfect just like we're saying about these ufos dang ufos like leaving their radiation all over the place it's terrible that's fair it's terrible all right. Also, they have like the soil tested because basically what they find is these 10-foot diameter perfect circle areas that are of scorched grass almost. Does that meet up with the sizing that we've been talking about? 
for Ed, it does. Okay. Like I said, he he downsized these things later. It wasn't a 60-foot diameter object. It was more like, I want to say, the largest part was about 20 to 30 feet. Okay. And at the smaller end, it was 10, so it kind of matches up. That makes up. more sense. J. Allen Hynek's uh, Center for UFO Ooh. Studies had the soil analyzed, uh, but there were no abnormalities detected of any kind, so it's just a perfect circle of burnt grass. So, as you have from time to time, I guess. Naturally um, occurring. Perfect yep. circle. Well, I mean, like, um, funguses can do that. True. So, yeah. I mean, there are definitely naturally occurring dead patches of grass. True. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, like uh, when they talked about the the Delphos ring on Astonishing Legends, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Cogswell was all about the fungus ring. <laughs> so, fairy uh, rings, if us. I can remind you all, fairy rings that are dangerous to enter because of their connection to folklore. To fairies, yes. is it fairies? Well, to the ultra terrestrials with which we share this planet, yes. The fungus, the portal. <laughs> he's got it. He's dropping some Jacques Belay right now. Passport to Magonia. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. What? So, All right. I don't understand what's going I, on. I, I know I, you don't. I hardly do. The most fun part here is this sighting that he has on the 26th, which uh, Ed's in his shower, and he's praying that the aliens are just done with him. He's over this crap, and Francis feeling. runs in to tell him that the aliens have showed up. <laughs> That's just sad. <laughs> Perfect. It is sad. So great. Yeah, Ed Ed is pissed off. He grabs a towel, wraps it around himself, goes out into his backyard, and starts yelling at the aliens. Can't get him a decent shower. Like, yeah. And the best part of this is that Francis takes a picture of him in the towel yelling at the UFO. Nice. You can see the UFO in the background. He's yelling at it. It's fantastic. February 7th, this is where the aliens would turn to Francis. And Francis was heading outside to feed uh, Crystal. And the dog was uh, upset. She thought she was just hungry. And when she laid down the food, she looked up and the UFO was there. And then it shot the blue beam down at her. Boom. So she's running around trying to avoid the blue beam and she's yelling to Ed and her daughter, Laura, is like sitting at the kitchen table. She nonchalantly yells to Ed that mom wants him. Like, I don't think she realized what was going on. So mom's calling for you. And then it just like cuts to Francis outside screaming and being pursued by a UFO. I'll be there in a minute. Yeah, that's how I picture it in my head. Well, what does she want? <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. I don't know you, Dad. <laughs> well, give me a minute. <laughs> I'm working on my job, lady. I got some plans I'm working on for a house. God dang it. Maybe it's a house that we can move into because I'm tired of this crap. No fault. Um, so Ed runs out to the backyard and as he gets to the uh the entryway the blue beam shoots down like right near his feet 
Francis dives into the house. There's a great picture that Ed snapped of it of Francis just diving into the house and the blue beam right next to her. They end up crawling into a nearby hallway that didn't have any windows in it because it was it was the only area that didn't. And they have their kids that are joining them on the floor and they're kind of just freaking out. They hole up there in the hallway for a little bit until Ed hatches this plan that they're going to pile into Francis's van and they're going to get the hell out of there. So Yeah, run outside the house, into the open, where a beam can bring you up. Could theoretically bring you up if they weren't so bad at their jobs. Yeah. Yeah. It's fairly safe. If you're no larger than a large dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. So they all pile into the van and they're just talking and they're trying to calm themselves down and the voice enters Ed's head again and says don't deny us we are here remember the gotta love that name I'm feeling bad for this family at this point I mean even if they're just even if the parents are just crazy which is not what I think is happening as we'll talk about later but even if that is all that's happening like Oh, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. I've been scared for like, I don't know, a few weeks at a time before. But to be scared for months, years at a time and be going through this, it's just, it's, it's terrible. And it's part of the reason of like, it's one of the bigger reasons of like why I don't think there is, it is a 100% hoax is because of just the frickin' mental and physical energy you'd have to put into this to keep this going for as long as they did. It, it It's just baffling. Yeah, it truly is. I don't know, man. That blue beam picture is throwing me off. Why? You, you don't you don't like the blue beam picture? No. Tell there, me all about it. Okay, so if it's a beam of light, right? Sure, theoretically. Yeah. Could so, be a beam of space plankton. But anyway. For all we know. The camera shoots a beam of light. Of some sort. A beam. A blue mm-hmm. beam. We don't have any light reflecting onto Francis whatsoever on her arm where the beam should be. Mm. So the the lighting isn't being produced by a beam, which is what's throwing me off. Mm-hmm. I don't know about this blue light situation over here. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. Um, understandable. And, you know, I don't know how blue beams operate on UFOs, but, you know, that's, that's if this fair. is any... Yeah, if this is any indication, then uh, go back to the drawing board. We've clearly located some problems with your design because uh, you can't even lift. That's not the way you can't lift working. up a forty-one-year-old man. You just can't do yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Crying shame. Anyway. Just terrible. Anti-gravitrons. That's what they are. That's why it doesn't reflect because it's not light at all. It's light reflecting off of the anti-gravitron. But for us to see it. It's reflecting light, so that reflected light will hit other surfaces as well. Which but it's we'll not emitting see. light. It's reflecting light. Anyway, I can believe anything. Rob, <laughs> why don't you why don't you pick up where you left off there before I rambled yeah. on with the light? Yeah, no problem, no problem. The local TV station, which is W E A R TV. It's an ABC affiliate that's still uh, up and running down in Gulf Breeze. They contact the Sentinel. They want to do a documentary on 
Ed's encounters and stuff like that. Mr. X's encounter. So they start working on that. Bud Hopkins rolls into town like the dang celebrity that he is. You know, he he really is inconsequential to the story. So I really don't know why they had him write an overblown, drawn-out introduction well, to the book but that's fine the introduction I mean, like, serves as a as a character witness more than anything else yeah yeah so. i agree and then mufon decides that they want definitive evidence so they give ed a special camera it's called a nimslow 3d camera and oh, like man 3d yeah, yeah. that sounds fancy if you look at pictures of it, it basically has like four lenses on it, Dang. Uh, which is supposed to make it impossible to double expose a picture. So what they do is they take test photos with it and then they put a wax seal around the camera so that if Ed breaks into it, they would know. Mm-hmm. So right. it can't be tampered with. There you go. Yeah. They put this on Ed's shoulders and Ed's not happy about it. He's, he's got this pressure on top of all this pressure that the aliens are putting on him. The men in black are visiting him. Well, I don't really see what the big deal would be if it's just a normal camera that he's usually using. I agree, but you know what? It's yeah. Ed Walters. And... <laughs> You're right. I mean, if, in fact, it sounds like the upgrade I've been asking for. Yeah. <laughs> Ed also underwent uh, two polygraph examinations. They were administered by a man named Harvey McLaughlin Jr., they were rigorous as hell. They he put Ed through hell, uh, doing a, an intense pre-screening test and then two polygraph examinations. His conclusions: quote, with the information that is available to this examiner at this time, it is felt that Mr. Walters truly believes that the photographs and personal sightings he has described are true and factual to the best of his ability. Mm. So he passed with flying colors. Mufon gets Dr. Bruce Maccabee involved in... I've mentioned him a few times now. Dr. Bruce Maccabee is an optical physicist, formerly employed by the U.S. Navy. He's a UFO researcher to boot. In late February, he examines the photos. Like, he is there from, like, sunup to sundown, looking at these things, taking test photos in the you know his front yard and stuff, taking measurements... He would come to the conclusion that these photos were not double exposed either. And I really wonder about his credibility here because, like, these photos are, they're amazing looking photos. But Mm -hmm. if they hinge on this case being authentic, I just don't see it. And, like, I feel like the photos, because of how good they are, how good they look, they overshadowed this entire thing. Right. And, And it overshadows the fact that. People are seeing UFOs left and right in Gulf Breeze. Mm-hmm. They're reporting them to the Sentinel, to MUFON, and all that stuff. So the dang photos, they're just apparently authentic through and through. Right. Well, and it is. It's like even if even if they end up not being authentic, and we have a lot of good reasons to think that they're not, it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that everything is a lie. Like, even if Ed Walters himself is lying, which, again, is not necessarily what I think is happening, it doesn't discount the other hundreds of sightings in this area at this time, only except to say that potentially it can, and especially if we're publicizing these things in a newspaper, 
can lead to people to have their own little confirmation bias going on. And if they believe that the aliens are around, they're going to see the aliens around, which I'm sure Jason was about to say. (laughs) February was kind of a quiet month for the most part for them. Uh, trying to figure they, out that new cameras. Why? Yeah, <laughs> the they're, they I'm got sure that pressure. Yeah. Just trying to figure yeah. out how it works. Yeah, yeah. Like they didn't give them an, an instruction manual. It's just don't break into this camera. Don't mess with it. Just take photos with it. And also, you can't fake uh, the photos. <laughs> yeah, don't fake the photos. Dwayne Cook asks Ed and Francis if they want to meet with a guy who has apparently seen UFOs in the area. This guy's name is Carl, and they would call him Carl the Canadian because of his accent. Well, that's not so, offensive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know that comment you you made about Ed earlier? Yeah. You might be correct. I think I probably am. It, he definitely had a very Canadian accent, judging by the way he was talking, and they go to this, like, hotel room. Uh, and listen to his story, and they can pretty much tell that his story is BS because, like, the details of, like, the craft were different, and every time Ed would bring up how his experiences went, Carl would suddenly change the details. Like, uh, the beam of light, for instance, went from red to blue after Ed talked about it, so... That was just the cop lights. <laughs> yeah. Well, just, they finally responded the to the lad. call. <laughs> Carl's desperate for people to listen to him. So he asked them, hey, could, can I talk to you? Can I come to Gulf Breeze the next day and talk to you? And they're like, no, we're done with you. We're, we're, we're through with this. Carl shows up at the Gulf Breeze Sentinel the next day and basically tells Dwayne that if they don't print his story, the UFO is going to blow up Gulf Breeze. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, that's quite violent. Well, and you know, there's the whole story of the, um, of the Gulf Breeze 6 that's happening around this time. I don't know. Do you have that in to talk about next week or anything like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an interesting story. And I won't get Um, too much into it now other than just to say like the idea of the apocalypse was not far away as it ever is. Uh, but especially right. during this time, it's it's normal for human beings to, when confronted by a myriad of, of things outside of our control and our our comprehension, to assume that the world is coming to an end. Just, We're getting there. It, and it's happening in <laughs> Gulf Breeze. It's happening in Gulf Breeze. Ed and Francis were feeling desperate with this Nimslow camera. They ended up going to... Uh, an area called South Shoreline Park, or actually it's called Shoreline Park South. I don't know why I wrote it like that, but <laughs> it's okay. maybe just because it seemed confusing. And they were staking it out. Apparently back in 1986, this woman named Jane, which is a pseudonym, took a picture of the UFO in the area. They were thinking, you know, maybe we'll have better luck there. On February 26th, they got the camera. They're ready to photograph a UFO, and wouldn't you know, a UFO showed up. But You don't say. Yes, but it was not the UFO. It was a different UFO. This UFO was shaped like a torpedo. What? And, hmm. yeah. Like it a was cigar a torpe- shape? Or, like... Yeah, like, you could say it's cigar shaped, but... 
in reality, the drawing that Ed made in accompanying this photograph, it looks exactly like a torpedo hmm. with like lights on it. Interesting. And, yes, Ed would snap ten photos of this thing with the locked camera. They're interesting photos. They're definitely a set of lights. I don't know what they were, but in this case, Ed and Francis would bicker about how big they thought the object was. Ed thought he was photographing it from further away than Francis did, so she thought the thing was smaller, Ed thought it was bigger, and they bickered like a married couple over it. So Interesting. You got nice. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean just to have this idea of perspective though and not and not saying that everything is is in complete agreement. You um I mean so often you just have Yes, that's what happened. Yes, I agree with what he saw. Yes, 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 this and that. And I don't know. Just that, that added flavor kind of adds a little bit more to the story. Let's be honest. Francis was probably right. Probably. Francis's yeah. usually are. Yeah. I was going to say because he keeps going back and forth on sizing. So. Oh, I was going to say because a lot of times. Well, I guess women have better. I watched a show. What was it? It was Brain Games or Mind Games or whatever. Have you seen that show? No. It's like this show full of like ways that your brain is weird and it like trips you out while you're watching it. And one of them was talking about spatial reasoning. And I think it actually came out that men were better at spatial reasoning through testing. Um, so in that case, as much as I hate to say this, I'm going to side with Ed. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, that makes based sense. on History science, like, you know, hunter gatherer kind of information, I guess. Could be. Sure. Yeah. That makes more sense. Why not? The interesting thing about this sighting is that the night that they were going to meet Carl the Canadian, they ended up seeing this group of lights in around the same area that they assumed to be, like, the landing lights of a plane. I don't know where that plane would have been landing because it's not like there was an airport right there, but they kind of just, like, dismissed it as, oh, these are you know, airplane lights, whatever. And it turns out that they're the same lights that they captured in the photograph. So interesting court. Yeah. (laughs) So a, a very torpedo like airplane, according to Ed. But this was the, was this the um, object that they did in fact get a picture of with the, the Nimslow or was that a different one? Yeah. 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 That's the, yeah, that's that particular object. It wasn't, the same UFO that Ed had been seeing all over the place, the really poorly stacked one. No, and it's, I mean, that photo is, is especially when juxtaposed against his other quote-unquote work, it's disappointing, to say the very least. I mean, it, you get a, a sense of a oval, but really you can only tell what it is based on the reflections of light off of it. And, yeah, yeah it's very easy to, not to see 100%, but to see that it can and most likely is be is be is be an airplane (laughs) but that's not what the people thought it was Uh, no no that's not what they thought it was at all and a week after this incident a press conference would be called at the coast photo service in gulf breeze and mufon would open up the camera and they would develop the film right there Ed and Francis kept vigil at a, uh, I think it was like a McDonald's or something like that, just sipping on coffee for an hour and a half before Mm -hmm. 
MUFON personnel just burst in there, all ecstatic about the photos that Ed had captured. They dubbed this thing the Mothership. They thought it was uh, pretty big, too, like Ed, so... You know, it's just more strikes against Francis, and I'm, I'm that's not cool. No, it's you not know? cool. To to if there's one thing being married for three years has taught me, it's that you have to be in your wife's corner. It looks like an airplane. Yeah. You all you have to agree. <laughs> it does look like an airplane. Thank you, Jason. You have to agree on these things. Now, the other thing of this though is that I would love to work at Coast Photo Service when, yes. unbeknownst to me, for whatever reason, a press conference occurs. And they're like, develop this photo in front of my very eyes, my good man. Oh, yeah. I just. Oh, yeah. And then to, to then be in the restaurant and a group of nerds burst in. You found the mothership. It's just it would have been a very exciting time to be alive. It's like how did it, did either of you see the disaster artist? No, not yet. No, so not that yet. That movie is Come on, amazing. Sam, you saw it, so I, I know. It, it's amazing, and I think it's at one point, I think it's Adam Scott, like, it starts out with them interviewing actors and directors about the room, not necessarily who were involved in it, but just, like, about the idea of the movie The Room anyway, and I think it's Adam Scott who says, like, if I had a time machine, <laughs> the first place I would go would be back to that set, because I just want to know what it was like, and that's exactly how I feel. I would love to just spend time with them, not even just to know what they saw or if it was true or not, but just to like feel this energy of like, we're so close to, to proving it and we're just about there. And you saw the mothership, even though it's just a freaking airplane, but uh, it, w- it must've been amazing for sure. For sure. <laughs> Later that night, everybody's all on this high W E A R TV airs their documentary. They call it the sightings everybody's Ooh. on cloud nine. Jason's going to be a little bit happier because Ed purchases yeah, I just read that. another <laughs> camera. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is a Polaroid Sun 600, which uh, is a little different than his Polaroid camera in that you don't have to peel a film. It just spits out a photo and whatever's on, it's on it. It's really, it's, it's, it's a lot harder to double expose. How we imagine it. You can't. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's, the generation this is the generation of polaroid that outcast was singing about so yeah interesting reference and now (laughs) here we are so many years later that would have been a great addition to the music video if ed walters was there (laughs) taking a picture shaking it if ed if ed walters hadn't yeah if ed walters hadn't disappeared completely he's just shaking that polaroid picture ufos showing up all over the place on it it would have been great something to see the people around gulf breeze were it took them a while to figure out that ed walters was the ed that was bringing these photos to uh, the sentinel but it, they were starting to get wind and like they were you know kids at school were even uh bugging his children about it what Ed did during this time is that under the guidance of Dr. Bruce Maccabee, he created uh, what they called a stereo camera. So you basically mount two Polaroid cameras on, on a piece of wood, stabilize it on a tripod, and you basically taking two pictures at once. So I don't think they know what the word stereo means. No. Uh, well, this is like an Ed's term. He called it a self 
referencing stereo camera system srs so you know ed's an inventor now he's um he's come full circle here he's gonna get two pictures of these ufos at once and you know it's gonna be definitive proof he does get some pretty good photos with this camera definitely lending a little more credence that it's something legit's happening here uh most of them came from shoreline park south so like they pretty much moved the act their activities over there uh mm. at one point ed decided that he wanted to get a bunch of people together to take pictures of this ufo uh in the park and you know it's it hasn't gone well from the start when every time he's tried to do right. this but had somebody else there he gets uh Dwayne and a couple other staff members from the paper he gets uh, Buddy Pollock and his wife Brenda, who is on the town council, and this guy named Peter Newman, who is a t- local TV anchor. They go to the park. Ed had been getting the hum that day, and you know he's like, I'm going to draw out the aliens. They're going to come, mm-hmm. and we're going to take pictures of it. Everybody's going to see it. They stick around a while. Nothing happens. They get the bright idea that if they go away, the other people, um, and Francis is sticking around because she's she's been privy to yeah, this stuff before. They they trust her, or at least they're yeah, okay the, with being the, around her. Yeah, the aliens cool with Francis, not with everybody else. So the everybody else, yeah, they are. They seem to be a little shy and really just sucky at being aliens. That's I don't know. Um, that's that is what it is. But everybody, they drive to. I, I, I want to say they it's McDonald's because it's now the hot spot. McDonald's <laughs> is the hot spot. And a lot of interesting the thing things is, happen at McDonald's. They do. They they really do. Uh, you, the sights that you can see at a McDonald's are they they stick with you for a long time. They secretly drive back again. They've got their headlights out because mm-hmm. you know safety last again. And like apparently the aliens are dumb because they fall for it like they show up but the thing is is like where ed and francis can see them is like they're nestled in between this group of trees Mm -hmm. but like the trees are obstructing the view of everybody else trying to see the ufo ufo winks into existence it's uh they take a photo of it with the srs camera and then it disappears again they didn't see the dang UFO, but they did see the glow again, a light flash right. of some kind, and then uh, that was it. So Now, let's be fair here and say that there are two different explanations. The first explanation, mm-hmm. Jason, would you like to tell it? What, for, for the lights flash? For why Ed and Francis were the only ones who saw the UFO. Because they're in cahoots. Okay. Yeah. So that's the first explanation. <laughs> Thank you. The second explanation goes back to the idea that we've kind of played with a little bit before. Rob, you in your notes specifically says these dumbass aliens, which is not wrong. <laughs> like you, you no. are correct. But again, if we're kind of thinking that potentially the UFO is using Ed and now potentially as well Francis Walters as some sort of surveillance mechanism, un- unknowing surveillance mechanism, well, they would look around and they'd see, well, according to, to Ed's eyes, no one else is here right now. And it's it's safe yeah. to appear. 
And I know that's um, what the kids like to refer to as mental gymnastics, but <laughs> it does it does line up with that explanation of what sure. could be happening. Yeah, I agree. Jason so, has something to say. Do we need to just do like head scans on Ed? I think if we could find Edward Walters, I, I've I have decided only to call him by his full name which I don't even know to be Edward, but I'm pretty sure it is. If we could yes. find the good man, Edward Walters, and put him in the MRI machine, I think it would solve our questions in a lot of ways. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and it's interesting that he didn't get a CAT scan or something because the international director of MUFON actually came to Gulf Breeze at one point and urged Ed to undergo hypnosis and to get a CAT scan. And he didn't. Which is good because, well, it's good and bad because hypnosis is not a a valuable tool um, no, for alien totally. abduction accounts. And a, well, a CAT scan can be. It, it That would be good for us to have gotten. Like, uh, yeah, my, uh, we'll get into it at the end, but yeah, I, I definitely have problems with the fact that Ed wasn't seeking out medical right. attention. And, and, you know, that, that kind of hurts his credibility a little bit. But, again, we can't dismiss the fact that people are seeing UFOs everywhere in Gulf Breeze. Right. So. For sure. Toward the end of March, the media surrounding Ed's photos and the story and all that crap is starting to take a negative turn. People are starting to report facts wrong. and Quote-unquote facts. They're wrong. Yes, the quote-unquote facts. And there's a... A quote from a local boy in a competing newspaper that claimed that Ed was a, quote, dangerous man. I don't know what that means, but Ed's a dangerous man, apparently. Ed himself claimed that this boy, he doesn't name him in the book. I believe some have called this boy out to be Tommy Smith, who... Uh, his dad was uh, on, like, the town council or something like that, and apparently he was prone to undesirable behavior and was kicked out of Ed's house for it because Ed kind of hosted, like, teenagers at his house. Like, they mm. played games and stuff like that. There's this one game called The People Stack where basically oh, no. they... Yeah, they would just, like... Uh, Teenagers would be stacking themselves on top of each other, and it's weird, uh, and I don't even want to get into it. Like a so I guess, uh, yeah, kind but of more like yeah. human Jenga style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ew, kind roll of. Roll out of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah slide out carefully. And they all go down. <laughs> don't yeah. knock, knock Jackie off from above you. Ooh, and yeah, from this, like, for this game, we're gonna need ninety <laughs> teenagers. Go find us ninety yeah. teens and bring them back to the home of Edward Walters, the well-known and respectable businessman. With a pool. Yeah, exactly. And, like, likes. It, it's definitely... It, got it, way it's not going to go over well. Yeah. It yeah. is creepy. Um, That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Ed would also start to get some hate mail nice. uh, directed at him. There, we They would actually... Sometimes. People distributing flyers. And in the second book, there's actually an example of this. I will read what's on it. It says... Um, do you know Edward Walters? Edward. We are proud to disclose that he is the nut that would have the fine people of Gulf Breeze believe that the Martians have landed. 
this is his phone number. Uh, and it lists out his phone number. I, I'm not going to say it because I don't know if it's a real phone oh, number. And if it is, why the hell would he print it in this paper? Yeah, it's that's a not book, a good idea. Whatever. Eight six seven nine three zero five. Jenny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, it continues. Call this idiot and let him know what you have discovered about him. Oh no. Let him know that we all know he is a liar and nobody believes him. Don't be deceived by other reports that you read about. The Sentinel newspaper is making up the stories to sell papers. Many of our sources report how often this UFO nut can be seen drunk at the local bars, and we are now investigating his devil worship meetings that include other UFO witnesses. Do you want all this type of element in town? Let us all speak up against Ed Walters and tell him and anybody else who supports him to stuff it. Here's the thing. They're yep. not wrong. <laughs> Sounds like a party. <laughs> Sounds like a um, rational response after years that's exciting. of this happening. Yeah. Here's the one problem about that particular flyer. There's actually no bars in town that he could be seen at. So oh, interesting. They're, they're kind of wrong on that end. But, but the devil like, worshiping uh, has to be correct. Right. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Satan- we're, we're far into satanic panic. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're now getting into April, and, and the sightings are. This whole thing is going to start to wind down. Every TV, radio, and newspaper outlet receives this 10 page report detailing how Ed's photos. And Jason, you're going to like this. Yes. Um, are you were, sure? <laughs> they, yes. They were a hoax, and the guy that came to this conclusion used weather pattern analysis to come to this conclusion. Uh-huh. What you were talking about earlier. He had said that that the November 11th photos were fake because apparently the clouds were moving in the wrong direction. He had to uh, print a Neil retraction. Neil deGrasse Tyson next... crap over That's here. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. This he guy. actually had to print. Yeah, he fan. had to print a retraction in the paper the next day because he was wrong about that. But <laughs> Mufon did do. Uh, I hate that. I, yeah, they did do some analysis of the weather patterns in the photos and they basically came to the conclusion that there was no way that ed could have snapped them off that quickly mm. like they had there had to be some like significant time in between them so that's eh, kind of a strike against him but well, well we'll get into that in the next part of this like and you're wondering why there needs to be a next part of this this thing is like over almost three hours but you know what uh, we'll we'll make it work whatever Ed and Francis were, they kept going to Shoreline Park South every night because they were bickering back and forth about that dang UFO. They photographed with the Nimslow camera. They're like, we got to go back. We got to get it. I was right. No, I was right. No, I was right. You know, let's go back there and go take another photo of that picture. The problem is that they were both there, both seeing it with the same photo before. Why would it make any difference if they did the same thing again? They're just going to weaken their marriage even further. They need to focus on each other as much as they're focusing on this cylindrical UFO. And then maybe they'd be happy. You can find joy even in the midst of years of harassment by aliens if you can just rely on each other. Yeah, absolutely. So you uh, <laughs> you're not married. You don't understand. <laughs> Have you been visited by UFOs? Yeah. Many, many times. Uh, yes. All right. 
<laughs> He's already suspicious. <laughs> On the weekend of May 1st, Francis and Danny had gone to Nashville because Danny was part of the marching band, and they were competing in a national competition in Nashville. So uh, it was just Ed and Laura home. And on the night of May 1st at around 11.30 p.m., he waited for Laura to go to bed. He was going to the park to confront these dang aliens. These dang Francis aliens. urged him, don't do it. Don't go down there by yourself. But you know what? This is Ed. Ed's been brazen the whole time. He's not listening. So he goes down there. And he's waiting around a while. The UFOs don't show up. But he closes his eyes and he pictures the UFO in his head. Ah. And all of a sudden, the hum starts manifesting right, in his right. head. It's all in his head. And he, <laughs> yeah, Got yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> and he calls out to the UFO and says, you call me Zihas. I want this to be over. I want you out of my life. He hears a sudden rustling in some bushes to the right of him. And above him, the UFO began to descend rapidly. Ed points the camera up and snaps another picture. And soon after, another UFO, the UFO they had been going to the park the entire time for, shows up. Ed looks down at his watch conveniently, and it's 11.10 a.m. In the next instant, a white flash comes into his head. And in the next moment, he was picking himself up off the sand, and it was 2.25 a.m. He had been mis- he had just missed an hour and 15 minutes. Ed yelled at the sky even though the UFO had been gone for a long time at this point. And he felt sudden fear for Laura, so he rushes home to check on her. She's sound asleep in her bed. Uh and he and he just like sits against the wall for the rest of the night just keeping vigil over her her room to make sure that this dang UFO doesn't come back. The next day he wakes up and he has, he could smell this ungodly smell. He doesn't really describe it all that well. Mm. It's just really, it it just reeks really bad. He has to take towels and wrap his hand up in them in order to block the smell. So the smell's coming from his hand. Yeah. Basically. Oh no. Doesn't that ever happen to you though? Weird smell on hand. Yeah, you sniff your hand, you're like, whoa. Whoa. Whoa, where'd that come from? That happens to me all the time. Yeah, It does, truly. Not that bad where I have to wrap my hands in towels or like saran wrap or something, but I've surprised myself a few times. But it wasn't wasn't like an extraterrestrial smell or (laughs) ultra-terrestrial smell. This is this is what we're this dealing with. This is one of here. those normal smelly smells. smells. <laughs> the ultra terrestrial smells. So Ed takes a shower and the smell still is lingering around. And he notices that on the back of his neck there's this like large bruise that has uh, elevated. It's swollen and it has kind of a red dot in the middle of it. He has these two distinct bruises on the side of his temples and one right on the bridge of his nose. And he calls up Dr. Maccabee because Whoa. he, he has to call somebody. Those he eyebrows, has to tell somebody though. his story. Z. Yeah. Eyebrows. <laughs> I just saw that picture Z-hoss. of him. And uh, tell you what, Ed, if you ever hear this, 
Scissors. <laughs> not even Scissors, like my friend. Not a razor. Not a specialized tour. Tool, straight up scissors. Yeah, man, scissors, small scissors. scissors. You use a comb. You cut everything that is not a part not of the natural brown. Not just small sh- scissors, like the butcher scissors, like the kind they oh, use yeah. to cut meat. That's what you need, Edward. Edward Walters. <laughs> Zias. Okay. That's... Now that I've gotten, uh, you know, grooming out of the way, there. <laughs> Continue. Sorry. He notices as he's talking to Doctor Maccabee that. The smell is coming from these tiny fragments of material from underneath his fingernails. He pulls them out to save them for analysis someday, although uh, we don't get it at the end of this book. But um, that's that's where we end it this week. And then, you Dang. Know, uh, next Sweet week, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know what? Next week, it's going to be alien abductions, hypnosis. The and weird whole sleeping abilities. Ten. It's gonna be eleven. Fun. How many yards? The whole nine yards? Oh, it's nine yards. Why? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. It's because it's, no. You know what this is? It's the full Monty. It's the full Monty. It's, Tell me about the full nine yards though, really it's, quick, it's, Jason, it's because you know things like this. It, it's because uh, on machine guns in World War or not World War Two, but in Vietnam, yeah, on um, helicopters, uh, the 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 essentially the the chain of, of bullets was nine yards long. Wow. I so you're li- going the whole nine yards. I literally thought that it was like a football thing. <laughs> well, that's weird because no. you need one more no. yard. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I was confused. Yeah. Wow. Well, nine that's yards. That's 27 stuff. yards. That Oh, wait. No, 27 that's feet. 27 feet of bullets. That's what I wish I could shoot at Edward Walters. <laughs> wow. Well, now we're never going to meet the man. Zeehaas come to us nobody is because he has uh gone off the grid since 1997 we'll find him i want to say if anyone can find him it's our listeners they're intrepid they're smart they have a lot of time on their hands obviously because they listen to this show no man we just got to get to laura that laura francis laura the daughter (laughs) yes yes have we looked for her on facebook Laura Watson? No. I'm sure there's probably a Walters. few. Walters. You fool, Walters, it's been yeah. three hours. How <laughs> did you get that wrong? <laughs> probably because it's been three hours. Yes. Well, that is a wonderful way to start <laughs> the story of Edward Walters. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, so I, I just got to say it. Jason, what do you think so far? I think it's all made up. I think it's all a hoax. <laughs> I think this. I he think this, this is ridiculous. three hours. He's never going to get back. I I think yes. Yeah. <laughs> I I could have been. I should have been to Costco already. Got a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Rob, you have robbed me <laughs> of my of time. his life force. <laughs> I am going to to hold off into what I actually truly think about this until next week because I actually have not done I don't think I have really any research or conception into the uh hypnosis side of things here. I'm going to look more into these photos as well. Yeah, yeah. So we'll do some reactionary research uh this next week and maybe be prepared to to talk a little more on that. We'll see if we do or not. Jason is If I can speak liberally, yeah. I will. <laughs> <laughs> you can say whatever you want. Oh goody <laughs> uh rob what i mean do you i think? i've subjected you to all of this Yikes. story i can't not do that so, so what i screwed yes. up on was when when sam sent me the notes to everything mm-hmm. 
uh, I, I moved it over onto my iPad under files, and when it saved to files, it saved about half the notes. So I didn't see the bottom half. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so you uh, had no yeah. idea. Oh, yeah. This was great. Wow. <laughs> Those the asses. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. I don't know, man. So, okay. Yeah, this, this is the... Uh... Huh, this is the last encounter that Ed has with the aliens, and uh, it's probably for the better, but we're going to go into the past soon, and we're going to talk about all the other times that he's had interactions with aliens throughout his entire life. So Darn. you oh, have so that he was to look a chosen forward to, one, people. Sam. You he lied was a to chosen me. one. Yes, he was. <laughs> yes, he, he definitely was. He's got some screen memory action going on. But, uh, yeah, this is where we're going to end it for this week, because, dear God, this episode is going to be hella long. So, All right. uh, gentlemen, <laughs> <laughs> so, gentlemen uh, thank you for doing this with me. I, I feel this is definitely something that other people needed to be here for in order to react, because it's just such a crazy oh, yeah. story that... Yeah, that you just need it. It's crazier than anything uh, that I've covered previously. And for it's sure. a re- it's a reactionary thing. There's so much in this that it it just evokes a knee jerk reaction. The most of them, which are being incredulity, incredulity. I can't talk Incredul- anymore. <laughs> Incredulity. I don't know. Um, I, what do you say? Incredulity. Incredulity. <laughs> That's a word. <laughs> Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I was like, yes, it is. Incredulity is a what word. Thank you. It means incredulous. Yeah. Okay. I yes. don't believe it. That's what I'm saying. Ah. But again, as I truly feel that, as I look closer, not just at Edward, blessed, blessed Edward, the patron saint oh. of oh Eddie UFOs. Um, I also, I mean, just the the surrounding area. The other reports, you get a very similar feel in a lot of ways to Whitley Strieber because he was not the only one seeing UFOs, experiencing UFOs. He was just the most colorful and most personal account to come out of it. So, and we'll get, I'm sure, even more into that next week as well. Yes, we will. So, until next week, folks. Oh, goodness. Holy God. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Deliver us. That's. That's all I can say is, holy God. I think I have a cold coming on. Signing out. (laughs) Shipping off. (laughs) Ed's story is interesting. That's the only thing that I have to say about it at this point. Uh, We're going to get into the theories and stuff, like I said, but this episode, (laughs) these episodes are just, it's one crazy thing after another after another after another and it's definitely going to wear on the case but like i said we're going to get into that in part three so if you want to connect with us we're on the social medias facebook twitter instagram just search for us we're out there there's facebook group which is always fun and uh, we post a lot of awesome articles over there Email ourstrangeguys at gmail.com if you'd like to get into contact with me. Uh, the T Public Store. I got I got to tell you guys, 
Desdemona came through again. She has designed merch for the Hardy Boys bullshit uh, line that I said in the uh, last mini-sode with uh, George Kowalczyk and the Bigfoots and, and UFOs and stuff. So uh, I've got a link to it in my store on Public. You can go over there to her store and get what kind of Hardy Boys bullshit is this merchandise. You need it. Hit it up. The link is in the show notes. So don't pass up on it, folks. It's it's a great design, and I and I love it so much. Uh, there's other merch for us over there too, and there's links to a bunch of other people's stuff to their stores. Uh, definitely uh, Sprague's Heineck shirt that uh, people have been repping around. It's a great shirt. I have it, so you know it's great. We also have the Our UFO Dad stickers that John Tenney and John Tenney store. Uh, definitely go check those out. Uh, speaking of stickers... I recently <laughs> sent out a bunch of them because I, I'd been putting it off for so long. But uh, if you want some stickers, hit us up. Yeah, send us an email. Hit us up on uh, the social medias, and I'll, I'll send you guys out some stickers. Uh, definitely. I've got uh, I've got quite a few left. So if you want some stickers, hit me up. Uh, after last week's little rant about... The, the reviews, I still want to urge you guys, please rate and review the show. It helps us out tremendously. It gets us more visible within the iTunes store, and realistically, it, it helps us find new listeners, and we definitely need it. We could always use more listeners. More people need to know about our UFO dad and not to lick UFOs and all that stuff, so please rate and review us. We love you, and other podcasts love it too, so please go and rate and review their shows as well. Special thanks to the Ossic, and I got to shout out my boy Rory again for the timeline that he came up with for this episode. It's fantastic. It helped tremendously on top of all the research that I've done for it, so I appreciate him and all the members of the Ossic just working hard doing research on the upcoming episodes that we have down the pike, so, you know, give them thanks. Thank your OSIC members, or something like that. I don't know. I'm, I'm really tired right now. Our logo was designed by Tessa Brown, and our theme song was composed by Shane Yoder over at PutThemInASong.com. And finally, don't forget to look up, because you never know what you'll find in our strange skies. Or in Shoreline Park South. In Gray We Trust. Yeah.